Louis Lucenti is one of Australia's finest musical theatre stars. He's appeared in Wicked, Rocky Horror, Muriel's Wedding, Jersey Boys and many others. But the lure of creating a side hustle to supplement his acting work had been niggling Louis for years. So when COVID came along and he had time to stop and think, he knew that now was the time to get started. Within a year, he went from having zero knowledge of copywriting to creating a successful freelance copywriting business to winning a place at the notoriously difficult to get into award school to landing the job of his dreams with one of Melbourne's hottest creative ad agencies and working on some of Australia's biggest brands. How did he do it? All that and more to come. Hello there, I'm Bernadette Schwert. I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. Now, if you have a passion to create your own copywriting side hustle, like Louis, now is the perfect time to do it. So check out our great course, How to Build a Freelance Copywriting Business, and discover the tips and tricks to turn your passion into profit. Check out writercenter.com.au forward slash success. And if you like this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get started. Louis Lecenti, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Bernadette. It's great to be here. It is a delight having you here, Louis, because I've looked at your journey as a copywriter, but seeing as it's come from a very strong performing arts background, I thought it'd be great to have you on the show because I think there's a lot of actors and songwriters, scriptwriters, dancers out there who've really looking for a side hustle to support them. And you've done that brilliantly. So maybe talk me through your your performing arts journey because you've had a a stellar career. What shows and um, things have you been on? Uh, thanks so much. Um, look, I guess I, I was one of those people that kind of thought really young or discovered as a teenager, it's like I, I really did want to perform that, um, follow that performing arts kind of journey. And so basically from from finishing school and then jumping into university straight away, I quickly realised that that, that that performing bug wasn't, wasn't going anywhere. And I started um, working in, across like some TV shows um, in my early kind of 20s and then forging a career in musical theatre. Um, so that kind of led me all around the world performing in shows like um, Guys and Dolls, Wicked, Jersey Boys, The Rocky Horror Show, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, I mean, the, the list goes on, but um, that was that was really my being a lot of the um, the stuff that I've done has all been stage. Um, and I'm trying to speckled in, you know, singing gigs here and there and, um, you know, some television shows, some miniseries, that kind of thing. But yeah, my the bulk of my uh, 20s was all spent full-time working as a performer um, so it was a really exciting time and uh, you know got to see a lot of the world and, and got to, to, to perform some really great works and um, you know tell a lot of great stories. Louis I saw Jersey Boys and it is one of the best shows I've ever seen and I've seen oh. a lot of theatre and I would love to know because when I'm sitting and I did acting as well I was never able to yeah, do yeah. musical theatre I just didn't have that um, ability but um, it must be an incredible feeling to stand on a stage with those songs and have that audience totally love you and, and then bow at the end I really want to know what's that like for you there's something really gratifying about the the live theater experiences and, and I think it captures something that you don't get in the other mediums because the immediacy of that storytelling that you that you feel um, because it's reciprocated so that the energy that exists 
inside a theatre or inside a gig, um, it's really hard to replicate and it actually is quite euphoric and addictive. So particularly high-energy shows with all that impact, like Jersey Boys, um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty great sensation. And, you know, you, you go home at the end or go home after the show and just like it takes a couple hours to kind of wind down. Um, that, that's often the, the thing with that lifestyle is that, you know, you, you kind of, um, you know, you're working late nights and then you get home and it's just like, oh, then now I have to unwind from, from that kind of natural high. It's, um, it, that can be the challenge too in trying to get enough sleep. To, to be able to back it up. I guess rock stars turn to drugs and alcohol right? because they yes. just need to, and, um, they need to yeah. calm back down again. But I know, um, but you, you can't quite do that and, sust- you know, you can't sustain a career that, doing that kind of thing. Um, I don't know how rock stars do do it, uh, to be honest, yeah. if they do party that hard. And um, we have to be pretty militant and almost, you know, really, you know, train like athletes and, and live like athletes in a way. I was going to ask you about that. It is almost a monastic lifestyle in some respects because to do that level of, it's almost like a marathon every night yeah. and then you're tired and you've got to get up the next day. And of course, you're always thinking about the show ahead. So it's not like you go out for lunch and have a, gl- a glass of wine or four, could you? It, yeah, you can. I mean, I, I guess it just comes down to how long I think you're part of a show and how long it's running because, you know, eventually after a couple of months, you, your body does get used to it and it does become um, quite ingrained and it's actually about doing other things outside of work to ensure that you don't get injured um, because it, there's you know um, that kind of RSI can set in and, and that kind of thing so and, and for voices too you want to still maintain a really good level of activity and and vocal health and um, keep up your dialect coach and singing lessons and doing other things or else you just kind of become a vehicle for this one uh, particular show and you don't want to be that you actually still want to stay pretty malleable and fit to be able to do a whole lot of other things. It's great. It's such an interesting lifestyle. And what what brought you to copywriting? What was the the moment where you thought, I love theatre, I love performing, but I've got to pursue this other line of work? Yeah, it's actually, I mean, it's a combination of a few things. Um, but it, I guess I was pretty curious about copywriting and it was something that kind of dawned on me, um, both from that, you know, watching the television show Mad Men, which I'm not ashamed to say, you know, that I think that inspires a whole generation of advertising creatives. Um, but it was more that my partner, who was um, a graphic designer, and uh, she was working in a design studio, and she was talking about how certain clients of, of hers, you know, they were giving her some pretty mediocre copy um, for her to do a website. And... I was just like, well, what do you mean they, they give you media copy? She's like, you know, some people just write their own, but they realistically should hire a copywriter to, to write their web copy for them. So, you know, so it's really good. And I was like, there's a job in that. And um, it was kind of a bit of a light bulb moment for me when I said, I, I think I kind of could, could see myself doing that. It, it feels like a natural extension of kind of what I have been doing. You know, I feel like as an artist, as, as to survive, you know, there's been a hell of a lot of times where I've had to write my own press releases or my own grant applications or um, kind of any of you know, your, your kind of collateral that you need to do as an artist. And I was like, I, I think that I might be able to use some of these kind of transferable skills um, as a, in communications, in capturing an audience, in writing. And, and so that kind of got me curious and down a pathway of reading and learning. And then I started, you know, obviously doing some courses and then kind of, it just unfolded from there. So I guess, um, yeah, if that's the answer to your question, I think it so. was it's a, great. you know, <laughs> curiosity led me here. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, maybe everything leading up to this point had all been simmering in the background and makes for a really rich and 
a rich skill set that's that's really transferable and appropriate for copywriting. Yeah, it's interesting uh, on a number of levels there, so because as an actor myself, I have always not that I do it so much now, but I whenever I'm writing copy, I feel like I'm an actor mm. because I'm actually writing in the voice of an 18 year old girl or yeah, a 75 year old retiree mm. or you know a 37 year old tech executive, whatever target audience you happen to be um, aiming for you have to step into the mindset of that person and write with their rhythms their uh, speech intonations the the language that they use I actually see there's a a really strong combination and I also think with an acting background and and also the writing background it's it's uh it lends itself quite nicely because you can tap into the the dialogue you know of how these people would actually speak does that resonate with you no, absolutely. I, I feel so strongly about all of those things. And and it's and you know, stemming from that also, I think that um, you know, as you know, that that actors when they kind of, you know, live in those moments and they're kind of so absorbed into the role, you know, any anything that they say, anything that they do is, is in character and it works. So, you know, if you can reach that kind of, you know, that Daniel Day Lewis level of of copywriting, you're doing pretty well for your clients. And um and especially when it's got that the purpose behind it and you're understanding what the outcome is to achieve in that particular piece of content or copy, um, you know, you can really translate the, that kind of character with purpose for its audience as, uh, you know, with intent because, you know, acting, performing, everything behind it always has intent. Um, so, yeah, just remembering that and, and looping back into that. But, that's yeah, actually a really it's... good point because when I, I've never really thought about it like that because as an actor you go, what's my objective here? What mm. am I seeking from this character? And that is so like copywriting. So what's the That's objective so like... of the piece? Yeah, what am what's I trying the proposition? To get here? What what's I want them what's to the do? unique value? What's, yeah. what's the one thing we want them to leave and take away? What's the culture we want to omit? Or, you know, what's the, what's the action we want them to take? Um, it's, it's so, you know, there are so many parallels. I mean, we could so talk about true. it for days. Yeah. Mm. I don't think the audience would really like that. No, it's okay. We can leave the idiosyncrasies <laughs> of the craft of acting. They, they yeah. get it. Hey, I'm, I'm really interested in um, what your perspective was when you started the course, the copywriting course that you did with me. Did you feel it was a big stretch or did you think, you know what, I I got this and I were you surprised at how quickly you were able to grab the concepts because you've succeeded extremely well quite quickly in copy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, I think it was... I remember like, you know, especially those first couple of lessons and, and hearing kind of, you know, the, the content that was being taught and thinking, yeah, this does really resonate with me. And I think it, it works on a level that my brain already, you know, the frequency that I kind of think about things. Um, and I remember you telling a really cool story about the, the diamond, the diamond cutter that really stuck out to me as, as being this thing, you know, the, the copywriters, we, you know, we, we don't just talk about the, um, I guess the, the, the practical elements of the diamonds, it's about shining it in the right light and holding it up and, and all of those things. So that, that's something that really stuck out. And I remember thinking, that, that's how I think about things. You know, that, that's, um, that's the, the way I, I would, um, if I was telling someone a story or if I was, you know, elaborating on a concept or coming up with an idea that, that that's, you know, naturally the, the way I would lean into it. Um, so I guess it was a, it was, um, a really great, catalyst and in and in getting kind of those basic fundamental copywriting skills down pat and you know being exposed to what good copy was versus copy that wasn't so good and and it's not just about what's kind of cool or what's you know what's in vogue it's actually about understanding you know the, the strong 
fundamentals, um, you know, persuasive techniques and understanding form and, you know, how, how, how to structure a piece of copy, all of those kind of basic things that I think you take for granted a couple of years down the line. But when you're first coming to copywriting, I guess there's, there's all of these kind of, not necessarily, I wouldn't call them rules, but then they're, um, they're kind of like the bones of, of what you need to be, the, what copy should have. And that's what the course was really good for me for, because from there it was just kind of like this this springboard um, and really opening my mind to, okay, these are all the things that are out there. Now I can go out there and, and start to do them and start to learn more and expand and and grow from here. That's a, an interesting point because I, I see it too. Like It's like you can do your own haircut, you can mm. do your own tax, <laughs> but you probably won't, right? And if you did, yeah, no. it will take you a lot longer and you probably wouldn't get as good results. So I do think that's the power of education, mm. even just a short course, is to say, okay, I didn't realise this world existed. There are rules, there are principles, there are guidelines. If you follow them, you will get to where you're going a lot more quickly. So I think that's, I think, what you're talking about there is it's a bit mm. like acting. You know, I hadn't yeah. studied acting and then I went to the VCA, Victorian College of the Arts, go, oh, wow, there's these guidelines, right? And suddenly... Um, you start to be a little bit more streamlined with your preparation. But I'm, I'm really interested, and I think the, the readers or the listeners will be too, about what, when, what did you do to move into your first paid role? What kind of gigs do you, did you do? Did you work for free? How did you find those first few clients? So can you just talk us through how you went from the student into mm-hmm. being the paid copywriter or even just the, the writer without being paid? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, I think that I was quite audacious, and when I think back on it, I go far out. I, I, if I did my time again, I, I don't understand how where I grabbed the, the boldness from. But um, I pretty quickly started to kind of take what the, the student work that I'd done, because you know, the expectation was to do you know all of these student pieces in, in the course that I did with you, and then another course that I did, and try and make them look good, or make sure they were good, and then make them look good, like getting them mocked up. Um, you know, design-wise, making them look like they were a real published article or that was a real poster or a real social media post mock-up, that kind of thing. So creating a little folio of that kind of stuff. And, and that was, while I was while I was doing that, I also was able to nab to a friend of a friend who um, worked at a digital magazine um, with, you know, not a lot of readers necessarily, but they just churned out maybe like three or four articles per week. Um, so it was... I just said, can I intern, you know, can I, can I learn, um, you know, if, if my writing's no good, you don't have to publish any of my articles, but it turned out, you know, they started to publish a few, which was great. So I suddenly had published work. And so, you know, whilst I was doing that and, and working up my student work and getting better, I started to um, send some cold, send some cold emails out. I, I kind of narrowed down my kind of focus of, okay, cool. So this these kind of um, this student work, you know, a couple were about skincare, and I said, okay, so I've got a, a bit of a couple of um, articles here about skincare. Maybe I could approach a couple of you know male skincare brands and just say, hey, this is you know really candidly and really authentically being like, this is what I've written about um, male skincare. Um, I think you guys could you know benefit from you know a content writer or blog content. You know, I basically just presented the, the, the honest truth in being that, you know, blogs are really important for SEO and, and traffic and online engagement with your audience. And, you know, I didn't need to sell them too much, but I was just like, maybe I could be, you know, your content writer. 
so I really niched down on, you know, did a bit of a lot of desktop research being like, who, who are the, you know, Australian brands and do they have current articles or blogs? And most of the time I was like, look, you haven't updated your blog in two and a half years. It might be time. Um, not, not overly salesy. And that led to a bit more work um, than some of those brands started to come back with yes. And I kind of echoed that for another industry. And um, from there also started, um, once I had a bit more of a folio, started applying for some in-house jobs. Um, at, uh, and I ended up landing one at a marketing agency. Um, this is whilst I was also balancing some freelance work too. So it was, it was all kind of, I had lots of different pots on, on, the, on the boiler. Um, in terms of trying to to land clients and get better, because and I and I think all in that all was just really feeding my craft and making me a better writer because I was being forced to, you know, write all of these different kinds of, of content and copy um, for you know eight nine hours a day, sometimes more. So um, so I spent six months in a marketing agency and then uh, moved into more of a digital marketing agency role um, where there was a lot more focus on kind of that um, SEO. And then uh, that kind of made me realize that I really wanted to move more into advertising, copywriting. Um, so that led me to go to award school. And here you are. And, that, and here I am. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to get into award school. You know, that is a, 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 an amazing accomplishment. And what are you doing now? Okay. So, yeah. So I, after graduating, that led me to land a job in an advertising agency. So now I'm, I'm in the creative department at a Melbourne, Melbourne indie agency called Cyclone. Um, so I'm a copywriter. I work with an art director and together we nut out a lot of briefs and, um, you know, spend a lot of time doing a lot of creative thinking and trying to come up with uh, big ideas that, that will help brands um, depending on, you know, the, the briefs. Um, we've got some really, some really big clients, some really small clients. Um, sometimes the scope of work has massive budgets and sometimes it's about achieving something with very limited budget, but, but really flexing creativity. So I guess every day is really different and, um, challenging, but it's, um, yeah, the, the power of, of creativity is alive and well, I think in, in an advertising agency, because it's, um, everything kind of comes back, I think, to, to the, to the creative department and, and what they can do for, for a business, um, Whereas in some of the other marketing roles, I think that there was a little bit probably more emphasis on sometimes, you know, what the media is or sometimes what the what the channels are. Whereas I feel like in this particular instance, um, you know, the role of a copywriter in an ad agency is, is really does, I, I guess, by to put an accelerator and in a certain direction. Louis, it's so much to unpack there because you've, You've taken this interesting journey from a performer and then a novice in copywriting and then cold calling and working for free, being the yeah. intern, being the junior, uh, working, you know, long hours without necessarily getting a reward for it. And then here yeah. you are on the other side of it in a very prime position, leading agency in the creative department, you know, the, the world's your oyster from here. So I'm interested to think about how you um, mentally, you know, because a lot of people have the imposter syndrome. Mm, right? Yeah. And I'm wondering, did you have that? And, and, and what did you do to overcome it? Or did you just not feel that? No, of course I felt it. I think it's impossible not to feel 
um, imposter syndrome at, at some point uh, along the journey. And I think there's there's also been you know tough days where I've been like, can I actually do this? I mean, I'm, am I equipped to to be able to churn out this you know particular piece of content or copy? And I, I think it all comes back to, I guess, um, you know, trusting in your own abilities and skills. And and you know, every day is different, but I think that's some of the performer's mindset too, because I can't say that I was ever, um, you know, didn't suffer from imposter syndrome when I'm performing or um, anything like that. I, I guess that there's just one thing that comes to mind in response to your question. And that was one thing I said to a copywriting mentor uh, when I was at award school, you know, he was talking about, you know, being an actor, you should be able to come in and just sell your work and, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. And I was just like, yeah, but you know, part of being an actor and part of being an artist is it's also knowing and understanding, you know, the thousands and thousands of times you didn't get the job, the, t- the times you were rejected, the times that, that, you know, you worked tirelessly for months for no pay, for no reward, and, you you know, you didn't end up getting the job. So I guess it's those are the lessons that I think have um, fed into my current kind of process. And I'm like, yeah, you know, if, if at least um, at the end of the day I'm making a living and I'm, and I'm getting paid and some days are harder than others, at least for, at a basic level, at a primary level, I'm, I'm still getting rewarded for the time I'm putting into things, even when it is really challenging. So I think that's what I'm really grateful for in the world of copywriting, um, where, you know, it, it might sound like a simple thing, but it's something that you sometimes don't get in the other creative industry. So, you know, working in, in a more of a, this creative, um, this commercial creativity uh, side and, and, and flexing, you know, you know, this, this thinking is, um, is rewarding in itself. I think the, uh, the parallels you're making between acting and advertising are, again, really valid because every time you pitch, it's an audition. Yeah. It's an expensive audition, but it's yeah, a it pitch is. nonetheless. Mm. Yeah. Um, and also as an actor, you've had tons of opportunity to be rejected and similar mm. with your copy, it comes back, it's not quite right. You know, it's, it's not about taking it off the chin or it is, but, you know, not taking, taking it personally and going, well, that just yeah. makes me better. So I think That's it's a right. wonderful sort of um, grounding for a copywriter is to be a performer. But interesting in terms of you've had the freelance life and now you've got mm. the agency life. Can mm. you talk to me about the pros and cons of each? Look, I think there's no lie, like the, the flexibility of freelance is a really great thing, you know, being able to kind of work on your own terms and, and pick your own hours and pick your own clients to a certain degree um, and only, you know, do the kinds of work that, that you really want to, that kind of you want to gravitate towards or that you are interested in. Um, I guess the cons that go with freelance is, you know, you're not getting that consistent uh, necessarily paycheck. Um, and also you're doing, you're having to do a lot of that kind of hustle and groundwork um, to kind of, you know, it might be fine for a month or two with, with jobs coming in, but if you're not kind of keeping things on the boil or keeping your communications really clear or, you know, promoting yourself, then, you know, pretty soon you're not really getting much. So it can, t- I think it does take a while to, to really build that kind of freelance life is, if that's kind of what you wanting to do um agency wise i think that there can you know some of the pros are that a lot of that kind of the magic managerial the the admin part of it is is not necessarily your responsibility um so you kind of do in in some sense leave a bit of the entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit at the door and you're just being kind of paid to, to do the writing to do the thinking and kind of get that stuff done um and so I, I do kind of like that aspect that I'm that I'm not having to necessarily be thinking about the business side of things, but really being able to stay in my lane and focus on that. 
I guess, you know, a con that you start to find is that you're at the mercy of clients. And the longer you kind of get into this copywriting journey, there's this kind of love and sometimes hate relationship with clients. And, you know, being the copywriter, you have to to poke and prod and ask tough questions and accept feedback. And it's, you know, there is a whole wave of emotions that you can go on before, you know, a piece of content gets signed off on by, you know, 17 stakeholders and, um, you know, three CMOs and it, it you know, it, it's, a, it's a lengthy process. So I think that it's taught being in the agency world has definitely taught me the patience of that bigger business thinking. And, you know, cause when you are working a freelance, you're kind of that one-to-one maybe with a business owner. And so, you know, your copy, bang, it might be produced straight away and it might go live. Whereas in an agency world, you're part of a, you know, integrated campaign. And, you know, this is, you know, it, it can take a year for something that you might have written to go, to go live and also it might go through 17,000 changes and that's just part of the patient journey of being a copywriter at that level. It's, it's fascinating because uh, the what you're talking about now, I've often heard other copywriters who may be 10 years down the track from you, it's mm. the very thing that makes them go back to freelance mm. because they go, I just really wanted to write and see my content produced quite quickly. Mm. So it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but also being in an agency as you are, it's a perfect foundation for if you do in the future decide to become yeah. freelance. So you've got the processes, you've got the contacts, you've got the, the managerial understanding of how copy plays into the bigger picture. So I think any opportunity to work in an agency is good. I think the, the question I other people might be asking at the moment is, Louisa, when you work in an agency and you mm-hmm. get a big client and you've never worked on that topic before, Mm. How do you come up to speed with that quite quickly? What are, what, the te- what are the techniques that you use? And is it the account service team would give you the briefs and things like that? But what do you do to familiarise yourself quickly? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and, I, and I've had to do that. Um, you know, there's been a few agency clients that, you know, they've been clients of the agency for, you know, maybe like five or six years or, or sometimes even longer. Uh, and, you know, my job is as the newbie to kind of come in and kind of pick up where, everyone else is already well-versed. I did a lot of, um, obviously a lot of research. So looking at past briefs and past, you know, executions and even the, the kind of the work in progresses of those kind of projects were led me to kind of really think, um, and just open my eyes into the kind of thinking that was going into the campaigns, spent a lot of time always dissecting and chatting with my creative director and, you know, asking about this campaign and asking about that campaign, um, you know, in, in trying to go through the, the archives of, of previous work that was done. Um, I guess, you know, some of it was also trial and error. I, you know, with certain clients, I, some of my first ideas, my creative director would go, no, we did that. No, we've done that. No, we've done that. And so, okay, okay, cool. So I'm learning by elimination what's been done before and um, having, you know, to, to really think, you know, I don't, I don't love the term outside the box, but sometimes, yeah, outside the box um, of, of what's been done before, because that's the thing when certain brands have been around for a long time and, you know, there's a, you know, a Christmas campaign, how many different ways can you talk about Christmas when it has been done before? So, you know, it's about finding a, a new lens to look for or a new idea. So, yeah, it's, it was a lot of research and I think I'm still kind of doing that, but I, I you have to liken that to, um, you know, absorbing any kind of culture or reference when coming up with anything because you, you can't expect to be an expert 
in the stuff you're you're writing for and and you really do need to have a, a certain level of expertise or knowledge or insight into the businesses and brands that you write for like that that's that's really a big part of the job you can't just go um, you know, I'm going to write the, the the snappy headline or a really good tagline for this brand and think you know, that's my job done. It it really doesn't work that way. And an award school was was really kind of pivotal in that too. Like, you know, we were coming up with um, forced to come up with a lot of ideas of you know for really well known brands. And I, I can remember one of our award school projects was for you know Mini Cooper and going through you know, everything that you can imagine has been done from Mini Cooper have already done. They're a really bold brand. They've already, they've already really pushed the envelope with everything that they've done. So our award school ideas really had to think beyond and beyond what, what's been done before. So I think that's also part of the fun of being a copywriter uh, is, is exploring those backstories and, um, you know, a bit more of the, um, Know, the world that those brands come from before they land on your lap and, and it's your job to to know that's right great and louis have you ever been faced with a client that you didn't agree with or like their product or even find you know maybe ethically compromising has that happened to you in your career so far yeah it actually has um uh a couple of times it's i guess for, for a few different reasons i guess sometimes I think in the, in the first part of your question, sometimes you do have to fight for your ideas, I think. And I think that that's something that I'm not, I haven't been too afraid to do um, because, you know, sometimes as, as the creative, we, we do understand the value of, of a good idea. And as, but it comes down to how we communicate, you know, the effectiveness of that, of that idea. Um, you know, you, you can't just be creative for creative sake. It has to be kind of grounded in strategy. And, and when expanding on that, idea you really need to link it back to what, what you're trying to achieve with the idea and, and how it will work and you know it's that kind of kind of comes down you know beyond your department but I think at times that you know that's I guess we're all really frustrated artists at times and sometimes we you pick our battles you know sometimes it's not worth fighting for but other times you're like yeah you know this this works for this reason um, but in kind of navigating that ethics that ethics question I Look, um, you know, as a freelancer, not so much, but in an agency life, yeah, there's been times. And I think the job is to really try and and search for, you know, the elements that are going to serve the audience and the purpose. It comes down to that. And, um, you know, you kind of do have to leave your opinions at the door uh, when it comes to you know, the businesses that you serve because a client is a client. Mm, interesting. And... What about working with an art director? Because as a freelancer, often you just streamlined and you mm. might engage with a graphic designer, but not that teamwork, that buddy system that's very much the role of, you know, in an agency. What's that been like? And any tips? Yeah, that's, that's, that's been um, probably one of the most exciting elements of working in an agency. Um, and that was one thing that we we kind of, you know, you learn a bit about it in award school because they're kind of encouraging you to work with, you know, maybe buddy up with an art director because in the advertising world, you know, until you're kind of in it, you don't realise that copywriters are often partnered up um, with art directors in agencies and often will kind of hop agencies together. That kind of becomes this kind of modality of, of the industry. So, um, yeah, I hadn't really done a lot of that before. You know, I'd worked with designers, but it's, it's a kind of a different beast when working with um, an art director because I guess this, this kind of ideation period happens simultaneously. And 
Um, you know, because sometimes art, art directors are not just, you know, it, it's not just they do the art and you do the words. It's about how are we going to share this idea? And then what do we need from a words perspective? And what do we need from a visual perspective? And, you know, a lot of art directors, you know, the one I work with at the moment, his name's Luke, and, you know, he can spot a great headline, you know, better than a lot of copywriters I know. And, and he can write really sharp, clear copy like it, it and it's it's awesome because he just knows what uh, a poster needs or he understands what 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 the tagline at the end of a commercial the cta needs to be because he's done it for so long and and likewise i think that we kind of try and pick up where each other kind of leave off because you know um in a visual and aesthetic sense you know i might see something or i might have this image in my mind from something i've written and be like you know could this be shown as a visual and he's like absolutely yeah let's go down that path so it becomes this real like collaboration and i kind of liken it to you know when you're in a you might be in a, in a band with someone and you know you're writing the songs together and you kind of just you don't know who's kind of writing it but it kind, it kind of just happens and it snowballs and it grows like that like that's what i think about with um you kind of that synergy between art directors and copywriters and i remember at award school they were like you know you need to buddy up and you need to try and find someone then and there, there was i mean i had a great group of people but i was like i oh, you know would i be in a band with that person oh I, I don't love their taste in music or it was a bit like that it was you know you, you need to have some form of kind of chemistry in in that regard i think and at the moment it's working for us um so let's hope it continues it's good. It is a marriage, isn't it? it, it yeah. is, it's a very close-knit relationship and lots of good communication between the two of you. Um, in terms of agency life, are you, have you ever been called to sing on a Friday night at the bar? Because I imagine you'd be a, a top number one Yes, it's happened. Performer, I mean, right? not in recent times because, of you know, obviously we've been doing a lot of work at home. But, yes, it's happened. And, yes, I've had to oblige because that's just part of, you know, being a good... It's your, uh, it's your contract. Yeah, it's your contract. Um, no, it's pretty fun. And uh, actually, the, the agency that I'm at at the moment, too, um, one of the bosses is also a, a muso, um, you know, and he's really great. So, you know, there's, there's that been that kind of fun fun times, and hopefully there'll be more to be had as we kind of return to some more office hours um, in the near future. And just on that, Lou, as we wrap up, what what's the performing life like for you now? What's the, the future look like for you? Um, I guess I've been a little bit, uh, I've been pickier in recent times about wanting to go on tour. I have a young family now, so that's just meant that I'm wanting to stay a little more local um, when it comes to performing. So in, in some regards, I think the copywriting side hustle is growing into more of, of, of a time occupier at present, um, whilst, uh, whilst we're kind of, you know, trying to keep life a little more local. Um, you know, I've done a few auditions for, for television projects this year and um, I shot a, a TV show, uh, a role on a TV show called Miss Fisher Modern Murder Mysteries, which um, went to air, it's on um, Acorn, which is a streaming service, went to air recently. Um, so that was earlier this year. And yeah, try, I'll, I'll probably no doubt be on stage doing something next year, I think. But um, yeah, at the moment, uh, it's been more copy heavy. Um, is in terms of the creative pursuits, but uh, no complaints from that. I think um, I think there'll be plenty more performing. I think you, once you're a performer, it's it's very hard to kind of say no to that forever. I'll be kind of coming to and froing, and hopefully can achieve a really nice balance between um, you know copywriting and and performing. That that's my goal. That was always the kind of the dream when 
when kind of that, that, that germ of an idea came through that I would be like, oh, you know, I could write copies from anywhere in the world and, and be able to do that. And so that would still be, you know, the goal, I think, of, in, in being a, a talented and, and experienced enough freelancer to be able to, to navigate that would be, would be the ideal. It sounds perfect. You know, it's a wonderful combination of you've got this really strong business skill that mm. is in demand and with the experiences you've now got, you've got the, the, the portfolio to back that mm. up. And on the other hand, you've got this incredible performing arts background and, and portfolio. So who knows in, in years to come how those two worlds will collide and we look forward to seeing what they look like. Louis, thank you very much for being oh. on the show. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Benedict, for, for being part of it from the beginning. It's a delight. I, I, I get so satisfied to see <laughs> students like you progress so beautifully. So onwards and upwards, Louis. Thank you so much. What I find interesting about Louis's journey is that he applies the same creative techniques he learned as a musical theatre star to the world of copywriting. And it's his can-do attitude and his willingness to have a shot to have a crack that enabled him to build the stepping stones to where he is now. And he did it in record fast time. That's the power of passion. If you'd like to learn how to be more creative, how to surround yourself with other creative people and get paid to write about your favorite hobby or passion and create your side hustle, you could enroll in a short course or you could join Copy Club, Australia's most innovative and dynamic community for copywriters. With Copy Club, you can find your tribe, access our incredible video series, and unlock a host of templates that will give you the confidence you need to take your copywriting business to the next level. To find out more, check out copyclub.com.au. If you like this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's it from me. All the best. Take care and bye-bye.